The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly, whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Medical Alley podcast, the show where we hear from healthcare leaders from across Medical Alley and beyond about the work they are doing to drive the transformation of healthcare. I'm your host, Bobby Patrick, with the Medical Alley Association, and today I'm honored to be joined by Arkel Giorgio, MD, who is currently the Chief Health Officer at Starkey Hearing, a foundational member of the Medical Alley Association. Dr. Giorgio has has had a distinguished career in healthcare, including being the Chief Medical Officer at United Healthcare. EVP of Strategic Relations at United Health Group, Senior Advisor and Chair of Triple Tree's Health Executive Roundtable, and a board member at many healthcare organizations, including Children's Minnesota. Dr. Giorgio, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bobby, for having me. Excellent. So as I noted in your introduction, you've had a long and varied career in healthcare. Can you give our listeners a bit more color to your background? What led you to move into industry and away from practicing medicine? Sure. Happy to do that. So I am trained as an internist, absolutely love patients and practice in Northern California in the 1990s. For anyone that is old enough to remember that time, there was heavy utilization management at that time. It was the earlier days of managed care and the practices were so incredibly intrusive that they interfered with the doctor-patient relationship for me and all of my colleagues. So instead of leaving medicine, what I decided to do was to leave the clinical practice of medicine and get into the industry to change it. A little bit of a crazy thought at the time. Um, And within a year or two, I navigated to being at United Health Group. I became the chief medical officer. And from that platform had the incredible opportunity to have the support of the leadership at that time to eliminate medical necessity review, which caused a sea change in the industry that I'm really proud of. That led to a number of other opportunities and, and really, it really gave me an appreciation for how system changes are not one-on-one patient care, but can have impact on large populations of people. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you've taken that role and, and, and gone through various iterations, and now you're the chief health officer at Starkey Hearing, uh, a role that you took on at what turned out to be sort of a conspicuous time, February of 2020. And so tell us more about what that role entails. And I'll note, I'm pretty sure that you're the only CHO in the hearing industry and how that role shifted once the COVID-19 pandemic set in. I am really excited to be in my role. And yes, I am the only CHO in the hearing aid industry. But I guess what I'll focus on that's more important is that I'm really proud that Starkey is leading the entire hearing industry in integrating hearing health into overall health. And 
I, I have to make sure that I say that that started well before I was at Starkey. So in 2017, someone else that you know, Achin Bomek, joined the company. He's a was our new CTO at the time who came in from Intel. And he really focused on designing and building our technology to be the best hearing aid while also embedding our technology with sensors and AI that track and identify and help manage a whole array of health conditions. So while Starkey was full of hearing experts and audiology expertise, they really didn't have a lot of healthcare expertise. So my new role, which started uh, in February of 2020, was to bring in health and healthcare expertise. So what's my role? Tactically, day to day, I work really closely with our engineers to help design the technology that's clinically relevant and meaningful. And I think I bring a lot of the discipline that I learned at United to make sure that we can measure our impact and value with data. It's my internal role. Externally, I focus on making sure that the hearing community understands that they have a role to play in patients' overall health. And I make sure the medical community recognize that hearing loss is an important issue to address many chronic illness issues. And I know we don't have a lot of time here, so I have got to say this before we get to the rest, because if we miss this point in this podcast, um, I'll be unhappy. I want to make sure that before we run out of time, there's one thing everybody should know about hearing loss. It is a risk factor for dementia. And even mild hearing loss doubles the risk of dementia. Uh, Moderate hearing loss triples it. So I think if more people recognize the link between hearing loss and dementia, they wouldn't procrastinate getting hearing aids. And that's my job. That's my job is for people to learn that because I think that that will drive better hearing health, which does translate into more hearing aid use. Yeah, that's an incredible link. And I I, I appreciate you pointing that out. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot more about that, just, you know, how hearing uh, needs to be integrated more into uh, the overall uh, looking at healthcare for for patients and, and the role that it plays and and really the how hearing aids are uniquely positioned given all the integration between technology uh, for people, especially as more care is shifting out of facilities and into homes and other places. So I'm really excited about that part of our conversation as well. So uh, tell me, you know, to expand on this a little bit, again, you, you started in February 2020. And the pandemic really hit, you know, early March, about a month later. Did your role shift at all between when you started and, 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 you know, when the pandemic hit? And what surprised you most about your job from what what you thought it was going to be to where you are now? Well, I was brand new in my role and I was creating my role real time because as we talked about I'm the first one in the industry and I had a job description, but you know how that goes. You know, it was evolving and um, I was finding areas to add the most value. But when COVID hit, what shifted is how much the company relied on me to help assure that our employees, our customers and the patients we serve physically stay safe. So as I mentioned earlier, lots of hearing expertise not healthcare or public health expertise. So while my original formal job description didn't mention engaging with human resources, they're the team I work very closely with today as part of my ongoing role. And I think, and I hope, because they're a ton of fun, that even as COVID becomes less of an issue, which hopefully will happen soon, I see the HR relationship 
continuing because there's a really unique perspective that I can add to our employee benefit strategy, our overall approach to health and wellness. And I think that we have to remember that for other CHOs, CMOs in the industry, it's important to really think about all of the different ways that we and our expertise can add value and not put ourselves into a box. So I think that was your first question. And then what surprised me, right? As you asked me that. Yeah, that's right. What surprised you the most? You know, what surprised me most is that I learned real time that hearing professionals don't necessarily see themselves as healthcare professionals. And this became really evident when we were entering the pandemic in spring of 2020. We all remember when we heard that only essential services could stay open. And many of the audiologists and hearing dispensers we work with weren't sure whether they were essential. So I spent my first few months focusing on hearing is essential and now more than ever. And it was an unfortunate, but such a clear sign that my job number one is positioning hearing health as an important part of the overall healthcare system. I think that one year later, we've made a small dent in that, that, you know, hearing professionals are healthcare professionals and hearing is essential. We should all remember that. Yeah, that's hundred percent true. And like I said, the, the integration across healthcare, it's, it's the more, the more that's coming on is, is excellent. So, you know, so taking a step back from, from Starkey in particular, and more broadly at the role of chief health or chief medical officers in the healthcare industry specifically, how has that role changed in recent years from what it previously has been? Well, you know, in the, I've been in the industry for over 25 years. And in the early days, the chief health officer, chief medical officer was there to really think about the clinical value of new services and new programs, the clinical integrity, the evidence base behind them. Today, that role, that person must be able to balance and understand the clinical, but also the financial, strategic, regulatory, operational technology issues that go into making a decision and making a decision feasible. If you are able to do that and to leave your clinical lingo at the door, then you're at the table. If you're not, you get put into a box because you've put yourself into the box. So I think that uh, it's really important that you know companies value the expertise and the perspective that physicians bring into their executive roles. And I think that physician executives have an obligation to recognize that they're part of a larger system and, and need to be an equal partner in that. So let me, let me just follow up on that a little bit. So, you know, and you were chief medical officer, um, I think you said, you know, in the, in the nineties um, for United Healthcare and what, what role do companies have in supporting their chief medical or chief health officers and sort of moving that direction and, and getting them to take on that business role, sort of leaving their clinical, as you put it, clinical lingo at the door and really engaging with the business. I think there's two things that companies can do to help support that. One is to remember that the chief medical officer needs to be at the table when there's an operational discussion, a financial discussion, a regulatory discussion. Just because you're not talking about medical diagnoses uh, doesn't mean that the person doesn't need to be in the room. The chief medical officer is a really big asset that should be 
uh, a key part of the, the, the core group. Two is that our training, our medical school training, unless you've had an MBA, I guess, uh, doesn't give us the skills to be able to always uh, know how to read a spreadsheet, how to understand regulatory issues. So I think being supportive of new learning so that we can be even more effective at the table. And I think that those are two, two really important things that companies can do. Excellent. And, and then just, I, I think just one last question on, on this line of uh, thinking in particular, what was one thing that you did that helped you sort of be able to, to translate, as you noted, the lingo or being able to leave that at the door in a way uh, to succeed as part of that leadership team? Well, I've had the unique opportunity to be on air since 2007. And people that are listening that are from the Twin Cities may know that I was on Fox 9 uh, for a number of years on their morning news. And now I've been at ABC, the KSDP, since 2014. And when you're talking to 50 or 80,000 people at a time and explaining a medical issue, you're only effective if you can translate complex issues into simple, consumable bits of information that people can appreciate when they're drinking their coffee in the morning. So I've had the unique experience of being forced to do that every single week, sometimes twice a week during COVID five times a week. Uh, and it's a skill set I've developed. I would really encourage people to, to learn how to do that because having information in your head is wonderful, but it's only when you can translate it for people and only when they can take action on it, that it makes a difference. So to put into perspective how challenging that is for me every single week is that for every minute I am on air, I research and write a script and it takes me about an hour to prepare for every minute I'm on air. So my segments are about four minutes long. I'm doing four hours of research and writing. It doesn't come naturally. It's not easy. It takes work, but it's, it's so satisfying to hear when people understand you, what greater gift than to impart knowledge to others. For sure. So now I'm going to sort of merge the last, the sort of the last two, two series of questions. So how can the hearing industry bring more traditional healthcare thinking into how it operates and does business and communicate with people? This is an ongoing challenge. Uh, it's part of my job. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we face, there are many, but one of them that I've recognized in the last year and a half that I've been at Starkey is that, you know, patients rely on their doctors to get recommendations for what to do next. They particularly rely on their primary care physicians, um, including whether they go to a cardiologist or whether they go to an audiologist, they rely on their primary care physicians. And primary care physicians are trained to follow the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force guidelines. And unfortunately, the U.S. PSDF guidelines do not recommend routine hearing for a screening for people over age 50. I believe that that was a short-sighted recommendation since effective screening can simply include asking an individual whether they have trouble hearing. And as a Johns Hopkins trained physician, I can tell you that that one question is just part of a routine history and physical. Unfortunately, 
The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force just updated their recommendation last year, so it'll be another five to 10 years until they re-review it. So to answer your question, in the meantime, I hope that we can educate clinicians on the link between hearing loss and dementia, encourage PCPs to ask a simple question, which is just being a good doctor, and then if a patient says yes, refer those patients to audiologists. And that, that is the strategy that I think will help integrate hearing health and overall health. Very interesting. So thinking about that and sort of tying this all together, Starkey recently launched a new product, the Evolve AI, uh, a product that sets the stage for, uh, and I'm going to borrow from Starkey's release here, uh, a new hearing ecosystem that not only emphasizes hearing's impact on overall health and wellness, but creates an effortless user experience. Trends that you've touched on here a few times. And so can you talk to us a little bit more about this product and more specifically, how Starkey used the launch of this product to really position it from the perspective of overall health improvement rather than just the functionality of the hearing aid itself? Oh my goodness, yes. It's such an awesome product, um, an awesome technology. So Evolve AI makes it effortless to hear. And yes, that's that's part of the launch and the words. But what does that mean? It means that our new technology analyzes the sound environment and instantly adapts so that the individual can hear the most important sound in the environment, which is usually another person talking. And it does that by constantly scanning the environment and makes 55 million, that's million, automatic adjustments every hour based on the surrounding soundscape. And it distinguishes between sound and noise. So why is that important? Let me explain. Bobby, when I'm talking to you here, you can understand all my words and instantly link together all the sounds I'm making because in your brain, you have working memory. That's like the RAM in your computer. Your working memory allows you to instantly do tasks and understand language. And since you don't have to concentrate on the words I'm saying and what the words are, you can pay attention to the content of what I'm saying and hopefully learn something from this discussion. A person with hearing loss doesn't have that opportunity or doesn't have it as much as you do. They have hearing loss and therefore they're spending all of the energy in their RAM figuring out what you're saying or what another person is saying. So they're spending more time deciphering sound and not learning. That is what we believe is the pathological pathway to dementia. If you're not learning, you you either use it or lose it in your brain. So the technology makes a difference by getting rid of the noise, amplifying the sound so that somebody can have effortless hearing, more RAM, if you will, that's focused on learning rather than spending that RAM on deciphering language. I hope that made sense. That's a, uh, that's a perfect analogy. That makes perfect sense. So talk to me a little bit about uh, in the presentation of the new product, how you helped to bring the, the technological advancements of the Evolve AI to patients in a way that they could relate to their everyday experience. Well, we had quite a staged 
approach to our product launch, which was beautiful. But the way that we brought healthcare into this amazing hearing technology that we launched is that Achin Bomek, the person I mentioned at the top of this podcast, Achin Bomek and I were together on the stage and Achin talked about the engineering marvel of this technology, the 55 million adjustments an hour. And then I talked about why it matters. And then he talked about edge mode and how you can just tap on the hearing aid and refine the sound and acoustic environment even more. And I talked about why it matters clinically. And then every time he would mention a feature, I talked about the science and the data and the research about why it makes a difference to people's overall health. It wasn't to me, yes, it was a product launch, but it was a product launch that had meaning because it really told people how it would affect their overall health. So they're not just getting a better hearing aid, they're getting overall better health. That's excellent. And, you know, you've, again, you've touched on this a few times, but the way Starkey goes about really tying it all together and and why it's important for patients and for people to recognize hearing loss, how it impacts their overall health, it's it's really incredible and very cool to see. So I I know we're all excited to see that continue to move forward and and the overall benefit to patients' health around the country and the world uh, from, from the work that Starkey's doing. So last question, sort of off hearing, but, you know, related. Give us your thoughts on how the recent rise in virtual care will impact healthcare overall in the next decade and what role hearing health will play in that. And that's anything from the use of telehealth and apps all the way to the, you know, we had a, a webinar from Medical Alley a few weeks ago on the increased use of hospital at home. Just any thoughts you have on that, that kind of broad topic? I think one of the bright spots of the pandemic is that telehealth and teleaudiology are really here to stay. The technology has been available for 20 years and it wasn't, it took a pandemic to have it be, uh, to have it be launched into clinical practice and have it be mainstream. So it is here to stay. And I think that the value of that is that we have had a healthcare system that expects patients to come to the system and telehealth is an opportunity when appropriate to take healthcare to the patient. We absolutely need to remember that we need to do each of them appropriately and you can have virtual visits for some appropriate situations and other times you need face-to-face. So we need to balance those. But I think that we really have the opportunity to expand access to care to all individuals, you know, whether they're living in a city or a suburban community or particularly rural communities, those who are bound at home, more disadvantaged communities. I know that there's technology access issues that disadvantaged communities may have, but, but I do think that telehealth expands the opportunity to receive healthcare and teleaudiology specifically, since we have focused on that The data shows, of course, that that has expanded as well. And there was a UK study, though not a US study that I have, that showed that, you know, prior to the pandemic, only, you know, about a third of uh, audiologists use telehealth, about 32%, but post-pandemic, 98% were using telehealth 
and 86% will continue. So I think that it's such a bright spot in many dark spots over the last year and a half. For sure. So Dr. Giorgio, thank you. This was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Bobby. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone for listening today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing to the Medical Alley podcast and giving us a five-star rating. It is because of your support that we are able to bring you this amazing conversation and others like it each and every week. Thanks again, and please join us again soon for another episode of the Medical Alley podcast.